SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV broadcasts from, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and their elders, past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from freshwater to saltwater. Yama, and welcome to Night TV Radio. Coming up in your program this Friday, the 17th of March, we have a conversation with uh, PAW Media's Maxwell Japananka Tasman and Abby Dunn in the, in the sidelines of their recent participation in the Australian International Documentary Conference, where they took part in uh, powerful discussions about First Nations filmmaking and storytelling. As you'll hear, the pair also presented one of their upcoming uh, projects. We also have a selection of stories that aired on NITV, including proposed new youth crime laws in Queensland, which the Queensland government itself admits it will breach its own Human Rights Act. And uh, as uh, yesterday, March 16, was Close the Gap Day, we look at several mostly grassroots initiatives to help close the gap in some areas, including a new partnership between the Yaraba community and a healthcare brand to help tackle the prevalence of rheumatic heart disease. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news on NITV Radio, broadcasting from Nam on the Kulin Nation this Friday afternoon. Bertrand Tungandame, I am Bertrand Tungandame. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy erected outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. The Northern Territory Chief Minister refrains to commit gas from the Betaloo Basin to ease shortages on the East Coast. Reports the United States will sell Tomahawk cruise missiles to Australia. And mounting anger over controversial pension reforms forced through the French Parliament without a vote. Chief Minister Natasha Files has refrained from any gas commitments from the Betaloo Basin as a means to help ease shortages on the East Coast. The federal government has pushed the case of the, of the Betaloo Basin in the past as it is considered a popular method to, resu- to respond to local gas needs. However, when speaking to ABC Radio, the NT's chief minister was clear on the matter, pointing out that all 131 recommendations made by the Pepe inquiry intended to mitigate the risks will be applied before the start of production. As I've said, this is an industry of the future. There is recommendations that have to be in place to protect our environment, to protect the values that our community holds highly, uh, and we will put those in place before you see any industry. 
the High Court is set to examine whether the Northern Territory failed to provide adequate public housing to nearly 3 million Australian households. The court will be looking to determine whether the Territory's government should compensate tenants in the remote community of Santa Teresa for distress caused by lack of reasonably living, reasonable living conditions. The case comes after multiple bodies, including the Northern Territory Supreme Court, found the Territory government was obliged to provide tenants in the area with housing that was not only safe but reasonably comfortable. Residents of the Arante community near Alice Springs first brought their case to the NTC Vaux and Administrative Tribunal in 2018. It is expected a decision by the High Court will be reached later this year. The U.S. State Department has authorized the sale of up to 220 Tomahawk cruise missiles to Australia. The Pentagon has informed Congress of the potential sale, estimating the cost of up to 1.3 billion Australian dollars. The notification does not represent a signed contract or the conclusion of a negotiation. Greenpeace Australia Pacific has released a statement criticizing the government's AUKUS deal. The chief executive of Greenpeace Australia Pacific, David Ritter, says the deal will result in what he calls a dark legacy, creating nuclear waste in Australia for future generations. He asked that the money would be better spent on solving crucial issues such as climate change, public, public health and welfare. But speaking to Radio 2GB, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says the AUKUS submarine deal is a step in the right direction. We've already embedded... Uh, Australian submariners and engineers and other technical experts uh, in the United States and the United Kingdom picking up those skills. And I see as well, this is not just a defence policy. This is about Australian sovereignty and our manufacturing capacity. And just as Curtin and Chifley developed the automotive industry Mm. post the Second World War, what this will do is have a massive spin-off because this is the most highly sophisticated machinery uh, that you can think of, a nuclear-powered submarine. A new report from the Productivity Commission will be released today with 71 recommendations to revive Australia's sluggish economy. Treasurer Jim Jim Chalmers has warned incomes will be 40% lower and Australians will be forced to work longer hours if the country fails to lift productivity. He says the report shows there are no easy wins. Now these are hard areas for a reason. All of them are complex. None of them will respond to quick fix, easy win, whack-a-mole policy making. This might be easy or quick, but together we can begin to methodically turn around some of the perennial challenges in our economy. Protesters are clashing with police in the city of Nantes in France as demonstrations continue against a controversial pension reform. President Emmanuel Macron used a special constitutional power known as Article 49.3 to raise the retirement age in France from 62 to 44 years, despite opinion polls showing a vast majority of voters opposed the reform. The move, the move has triggered protests and calls for his resignation in the French Parliament and some, and some other cities. 
Olivia Chaibi took part in demonstrations. It's a pity. It's bad news for social democracy. It's kind of a confession of weakness. It's proof that the president's party is a minority in parliament, but he's also a minority in public opinion. It's the responsibility of Macron, after he has refused to have a social dialogue with the unions, he's decided to pass this law by force. The Pentagon says the United States has indications that Russia is likely trying to recover debris from the U.S. drone downed after a Russian intercept over the Black Sea. It comes after the release of video footage showing Russia interfering with the U.S. military surveillance drone downing it over the Black Sea after the two countries accused each other for the crash. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Patrick Ryder says the United States' focus is to provide support to Ukraine and not to seek hostilities with Russia. The United States' focus in the region, the focus with Ukraine, is solely on providing Ukraine with the support that it needs to defend itself. The United States does not seek conflict with Russia. We do not seek escalation with Russia. Uh, and so we're going to continue to stay focused on our primary uh, mission in the Ukraine area, which is supporting Ukraine in its fight. The United States will continue to fly and operate in international airspace uh, in accordance with international law. Former New Zealand opposition leader Todd Mueller has announced his exit from politics seven months from an election. Mr. Mueller was the National Party's agriculture and climate change spokesman. First elected in 2014, Mr. Muller won the leadership of the National Party in 2020, toppling Simon Bridges in an Australia-style leadership coup. Announcing his retirement from the leadership after 54 days, he has cited mental health issues, saying he no longer has the necessary enthusiasm and energy he once had. A new survey has found many Australians are losing sleep over the cost of living crisis. ResMed's Global Sleep Survey has found 42% of Australians usually wake up feeling tired, the second highest proportion among a dozen countries, with only 1 in 10 Australians in the study waking up feeling refreshed. This survey has found financial pressure is a major factor driving poor sleep. The survey has also found that the average Australian has 6.9 hours of sleep each night, below the recommended period of between 7 and 9 hours. Those who worked remote jobs were getting more sleep than others, and men were most likely to be satisfied with both their quality and quantity of sleep. Student organizations are supporting a Greens bill that calls for indexation on graduate debts to be abolished. The National Union of Students and Foundation for Young Australians have made a joint submission to a parliamentary inquiry that is examining the bill initially introduced by Green Senator Marin Faraki. Their submission says they are, seeing great, they are seeing greater numbers of students and graduates struggling to pay off their debts because of increases to the cost of living. Just over 70% of people in 2021 owed more than 10,000 compared with 47.5% in 2005-2006 and there's a higher indexation method now being applied to debts. The Council of Australian Postgraduate Associations says if inflation continues to outpace wage growth, the long-term consequence will be that more graduates will spend their entire lives repaying their student debts. And into and looking at uh, the latest news in sport, Australian former professional surfer Blake Johnston has officially broken the record for the world's longest surfer session. 
hundreds of locals and surfers lined the sun at Cronulla at about 7 a.m. this morning to see the 40-year-old break the record in a session that lasted more than 30 hours and 11 minutes. But the surf school owner plans to break his own record by staying in the water until 5 p.m. today to set a record of 40 hours. And now having a look at the weather around the country, Broome, sunny 33 degrees, Perth, clouds clearing 27, Adelaide, clouds clearing as well and a top of 31, Melbourne, cloud cloudy 24, Hobart, cloudy 20, Albury, Wodonga, sunny day 27, Camera, sunny as well, top of 29, Wollongong, Becoming cloudy, 28. Sydney, mostly sunny, 30 degrees. Newcastle, sunny day ahead, 32. Brisbane, also sunny, 35. Townsville, partly cloudy, 31. Cairns, possible shower, 32 degrees. Alice Springs, sunny, 39. Darwin, a shower or two and a possible storm on the top of 32 degrees. And the Torres Strait Islands, mostly cloudy day on the top of 31 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News. Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. I am Bertrand Tungandame and you're listening to NITV Radio, broadcasting from Nam on the Cooling Nation this Friday afternoon. Coming up next in the program, conversation with Paul Media's Maxwell Tasman and Abby Dunn in the sideline of uh, their recent participation in the Australian International Documentary Conference. We also have a selection of stories that aired on NITV, including a story about the proposed New South New Youth Crime Laws in Queensland, which the, the Queensland government itself admits these laws will breach its own Human Rights Act. And as yesterday, March 16, was Close the Gap Day, we look at several mostly grassroots initiatives to help close the gap in some areas. But first, in the sidelines of their participation in the AIDC, award-winning filmmaker Maxwell Tasman and Paul Media's Abby Dunn paid us a visit to talk about their participation in the conference and some exciting new projects. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. Paul Media's Maxwell Tasman and Abidan are joining us on NITV radio in the sidelines of their participation in the Australian International Documentary Conference. Maxwell and Abby, you made the trip all the way respectively from La Jamanu and Uendomo. Uh, I guess it was not just to listen to the powerful conversations around First Nations filmmaking and storytelling. You also had some projects to present. We flew in from Alice Spring and talking to people, uh, pitching, pitching to people about our idea and trying to turn it into a project. Uh, one of them is... Spirit Bird is a documentary about the history of flying through an indigenous perspective. We look at how planes have impact indigenous community. For the first time, my mom saw a plane and how we use plane today to connect with community, uh, with country. Wow, wow. So the story about fast contact with aviation... 
what else can you share with us uh, without uh, maybe revealing too much about uh, the project? Uh, just uh, something to whet our appetite as uh, yeah, you continue to work on this project. But, Maxwell, um, did you want to maybe chat about how we're going to search for a missing plane with yes. the Lost Tribe? Yeah, finding the plane coming down from WA and then last to Warburg Country in Tenemadesin. And we're probably going to discover and tell the story in that area what, what the people were living there. What's that plane that's uh, missing? Uh, what's the story about that plane? It was on the news, a uh, newspaper. Well, the ladies from the Lost Tribe believe that it's in a particular location, um, and so we're all setting out on a journey to discover it. So a lot of people have spoken about it. Um, it's word around a few of the communities, and so we're using their tracking skills, which have been used... For a long time, a lot of their missing aeroplanes lost back in the 60s um, before we had proper mapping set out. This is a project in the making. Um, how was it received at ARDC we, when you pitched it to uh, filmmakers and uh, the big international conference? Me and Abby was talking to people about it. It's really good to get... Um, feedbacks as well from different people so we can start working on it. And before this one you're already an award-winning uh, film and documentary maker having won um, local and um, national accolades, having worked even with an ITV and other big uh, media organizations around the country. Yes, I've won uh, award-winning for animation, uh, music video, and also um, doing short clips and working on uh, international TV series and documentaries. Can you tell us about some of the awards uh, that you won? Because uh, I gather one of them was uh, for um, music video. We won in Thursday Island. And in Thursday Island, they had a National Remote Media Festival was surprised to won that award. So me and my my, my brother, his name Shane, we did uh, a short music video with a local band in Lajamanu. That was in 2010. We just entered that and we, we just want to show our work. We didn't think about any feedback from the, from the people. We just want to show our work. And end up the, that night, award night, for the best music video, we were shocked um, we won that. And we was like, really, really happy. Back home in Lajamanu, the community was really proud of us and what we did. I was shocked. A lot of people were talking to us, especially the old people you know, listening, listening there and told us you did a really good job. Had you worked on a similar project uh, before or... You pulled off an award-winning uh, music video at your first attempt. It was a second music video. The first one is like, I want to see it, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> but we uh, we did a lot of couple of more lo- um, local bands from Lajamanu music videos. Also, we do um, with PAW work with 
um, different uh, in the community would like school. Like we go out uh, school to a country visit uh, maybe twice a year. They take out the school with community elders, the rangers, uh, even the sports and rec. We go out bush and filming for a week, and we stay there. And the, the old people that teach the young young people about the country, also teach um, the teachers. That was really really important because they we moved them back to the country, and the old people tell the story there. One of the awards you won was the NITV Spirit Award, and uh, another one was the John uh, Makamba Award. Tell us about those accolades that you won. 2016, um, at the Na- National Remote Media Festival in Yitkala, I won, won the award, Ambakamba Operator of the Year Award. And 2017, I had my first work experience with NITV at NEMA's Award. And it was really, really good um, working there and see, um, be part of, the, part of the crew and see NITV Award. That's uh, not an NITV award, NEMA's award. NEMA's award, yeah, NEMA's are growing bigger and bigger every year. How many NEMA's have you been to? Been uh, twice. The first one was 2017 and last year. And see a lot of good bands, especially uh, King Stingray. King Stingray, yeah. Saw them at Uluru last year at NITV's 10th anniversary. On stage presence is just magic. When on stage and no one can stay seated, you just have to dance. And tell us about uh, your other projects, uh, other films, and other projects you've created. Because obviously you're very prolific. Well, next month I'm going to Canberra. PAW collaborated with ANU back in 2019. We did a documentary about two elders in our community. One of the elders passed away. He was uh, 105. 105? Yes. Yeah. Um, and we did that 2019. And the story about him and my grandfather, where they was living in the desert. And their story, living in the desert before coming down to to the settlements. Yeah, I recently did a story about uh, the first contact. Some people were in the desert. They didn't come out uh, and join other communities till the 80s. It was actually recent. Uh, groups that were still in the desert came and uh, reconnected with uh, their families that had left a long time ago. Yeah, the um, the Pintabi tribe. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Yeah, we've been chatting with them, haven't we, Max? You Yelti and yes. And yesterday was a National Women's Day. Yeah, International Women's Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I film in my community uh, National Women's Day in 2017. Yeah. PAW collaborated with World Fishing. Uh, so I d- did that, and we had a celebration, um, a little march, and a celebration, uh, talking and with the, with the community. So we to celebrate the women that day. Wow. Is that movie available? Can we watch it? Yes. Yeah. Um, PAW should have it in the uh, Vimeo. And uh, besides uh, these films that you produce uh, locally in Australia, I hear you've also 
uh, had some adventures overseas. Yes. 2017, I was working for BAW, and from my community, um, from Lajamano, one year Art Center is in Lajamano. They went a couple of trips for the past 10 years, I think, or maybe more, and they have traveled around the world and telling us our stories through painting. And I was lucky to be part of that trip and document the trip to Germany and back. Uh, Maxwell, how did you get into filmmaking? How did you learn uh, your craft? Is it just uh, through uh, your work and participation uh, in the activities of uh, Power Media? Yeah, for PRW, um, I always tell them, they ask me, where do you learn about filmmaking? I said, no, uh, PRW. Even though I um, didn't work for them for a while, after two years, but I always tell them, no, PRW is like, Back to my roots on filmmaking, PRW. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Paul Media? I gather Paul covers uh, some uh, 14 uh, different uh, community groups and uh, many languages. Yeah, he's covered uh, 13 or 14 communities. And they broadcast in how many languages out of those communities? Well, PAW represents three tribes. A P stands for Pintabi, A stands for Majara, and W is Wordbury. So, three languages, yep. Yeah. Okay, and you speak some of them. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a few words uh, in language. Yeah, um, yeah, so, what you mean, are you doing? And for goodbye or um, for the sentence you can stop by like say Ngula Jogo that's it Ngula Jogo is hollow uh, no Ngula Jogo means that's it it's all done Ngula Jogo yeah, that's it okay yeah. so this is the end of our conversation or our interview today Ngula Jogo Ngula Jogo Ngula Jogo Maxwell thank you join NITV Radio on Facebook Welcome back. Uh, still to come in our program, a selection of uh, stories uh, from uh, NITV, including the story of uh, proposed uh, legislation changes in Queensland, uh, changes that, according to the government itself, will breach its own Human Rights Act. But before that, Brown Skin by Philly, a tribute to Black Queens. She ate it. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Now, the Queensland Parliament is expected to pass controversial changes to youth crime laws, which the government admits will breach its own Human Rights Act. And youth advocates have accused the government, the Labour government, Queensland Labour government, of rushing through the amendments, which they say will put more Indigenous children behind bars. Tanisha Williams reports. Outcry over a series of horrific youth crimes in Queensland sparked the contentious changes. They're supporting our strong laws, Mr. Speaker. They're supporting them. They're supporting them. But we'll go further. We're going to help victims even more, Mr. Speaker. So I'll stand up for this state every day, unlike those opposite. 
The strengthening community safety legislation brings back breach of bail as a criminal offence for juveniles. Maximum penalties for violent car thefts have doubled. Courts must consider a young offender's previous bail and criminal history. There's harsher penalties for online bragging and the government has committed millions for youth diversion programs and extra police patrols. This is going to see the numbers of our kids skyrocket in these places and and that's really hard to sort of grapple with and hard to contend with. The crackdown was announced just three weeks ago in response to a string of high-profile violent murders in recent years, many involving young offenders. Reinstating laws the Queensland Premier once opposed. Putting in rushed legislation that is a band-aid, that has seemed to be a band-aid measure, measure to fix up a particular a tragic event is always bad policy. What's required is a root and branch review and examination of what works. There are programs that we know work. Increased penalties and incarceration, increasing incarceration, do not work. Indigenous youth currently make up around 70% of Queensland's youth prison population, with the rate of incarceration for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children 33 times the rate of non-Indigenous kids. Tanisha Williams, NITV News. And uh, a new national survey focusing on the health of Indigenous teenagers and young adults has been launched in South Australia. The National Roadmap hopes to identify the needs of young people and make recommendations about how services can better meet them. Despite adolescents and young adults making up the two largest segments of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander populations, there has never been a national strategy focusing solely on their health. Peter Doherty has the details. Coming together to plan for a healthier future. These young people are driving the first national strategy focused solely on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander adolescent health. Being the oldest living culture in the world, we were the first voices here and it's important for us young people to have a voice to speak for us. One in three First Nations people are aged between 10 and 24 and researchers at the South Australian Medical Research Institute believe their well-being is key to closing the life expectancy gap. Involving young people in shaping the future brings us a sense of hope. The Awabakal Wiradjuri man is working on a national survey of First Nation youth to learn more about their health challenges. He says services often don't meet young people's needs. Young people aren't necessarily needing or wanting those services, as in maybe they're not the priority for young people at this point in time. And that can lead to a mismatch in terms of what young people want and what services are available. The National Roadmap hopes to identify youth needs and recommend how services can better meet them. These young women sit on the project's Youth Governance Board. 18 young people representing every state and territory, including the Torres Strait. They hope to break down stigma. From that personal experience, I don't want anybody else to you know, feel so defenceless and so you know, alone and that they don't have that support when there's so much out there that they can actually, you know, use and enjoy to bring themselves back to being healthy and well. 
Lorraine Randall says clinics in remote areas don't have time to deal with adolescent health. We, as adolescents, go into the clinics. It's more like we feel like we're getting pushed aside. And, um, yeah, so I think having a, like, good approach in clinics um, would be a benefit to our health and wellbeing because then we feel like we're being listened to. A pilot survey opens this week in New South Wales and South Australia. They're hoping a couple of thousand young people will take part. Peter Doherty, NITV News. Now, yesterday, March 16, was uh, National Close the Gap Day. On uh, this day, a spotlight is on health issues and other inequalities that disproportionately affect First Nations people. The new report from the community-led Close the Gap campaign says improving life outcomes for Indigenous people starts in adolescence. Activists say supporting health and uh, well-being through this period will help close the gap in life expectancy. Peggy Giacomelos reports. Schools, businesses and community groups have come together to demand healthy quality for Indigenous Australians as part of annual Close the Gap events, which have been held for more than a decade. Productivity Commission figures show a number of Closing the Gap targets are not on track, with the majority going backwards. There are 19 socio-economic targets in the national agreement. The Commission has released data on nine of those targets, showing only two are on track, Indigenous land rights and employment of First Nations adults. Carl Briscoe is co-chair of the Close the Gap campaign steering committee. He spoke at the launch of its 2023 report. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, they know what works in their community. We just need the government and the wider community to actually respect our, our intellect and actually invest in what actually works in the communities. The focus this year is on the social and cultural factors that underpin Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health and wellbeing, with an emphasis on improving the lives of Indigenous children and young people. Seth Westhead has family connections to the... Awabukal and Wiradjuri nations. He's also a researcher in adolescent mental health at the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute. Mr Westhead says research shows the challenges and priorities for young people in remote communities may be very different from those in urban and regional areas. But he adds there are some common themes across the country. So far, some of the things that we're seeing are mental health is really important and uh, there's some big struggles in terms of mental health wait times to see professionals. Um, There's some things around uh, general support for young people that aren't necessarily uh, a crisis situation. So where do people go when they just want some general support? Peer mentoring is something that young people are saying they really want to see. Uh, and have more representatives uh, that are like them, that can talk to them about the things that are impacting them and uh, show them that there are brighter ways for the future. Gumbangia Gingana Freedom School is a bilingual school in New South Wales. Its principal, Alana Jack, welcomes the focus on youth mental health. She says it's a complex topic. Our kids are unfortunately in the media. Um, There's so much going on. For them 
in a negative light. Our kids are often seen in that negative light. Um, I think that there's so much more to complexities to what is going on with our youth, um, and I think that it all comes back to, in my perspective, trauma and inter- intergenerational trauma. Indigenous people have experienced poor health outcomes for generations. Closing the gap targets not on track include babies being born with a healthy weight, Indigenous youth finishing high school, high youth incarceration rates, delivering appropriate housing and reducing suicide rates. Ms Jack says despite the challenges, she continues to see many Indigenous young people at her school thriving. The statistics for our kids... um in incarceration rates, for example, negative, um, you know, anxiety, depression, and things like that. So, for me to see, it's been a really, really big eye opener at the school to see um, how confident, how resilient, how proud our kids are. Peggy Giacomelos, SBS News. Join the conversation on radio, online, and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. On Close the Gap Day, the spotlight is on health and other inequalities that disproportionately affect First Nations people. One area where there is a wide gap is in the prevalence of rheumatic heart disease, RHD. Data shows that Australia has some of the highest rates of RHD in the world, with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people 15 times more likely to be diagnosed with the disease than other Australians. Yaraba, Australia's largest Aboriginal community, has joined forces with an Australian natural skin care brand to prevent the spread of RHD at a grassroots level. And I'm pleased to say I'm joined on NITV Radio by Susan Andrews, CEO of Gurini Yalamuka Health Services in Yaraba, to take us through this uh, groundbreaking partnership and also tell us about the expected outcomes. Welcome to NITV Radio, Susan. Good afternoon. Thanks for um, getting us on board and talking today. Now, some of the factors leading to infections and ultimately developing uh, RHD are just out of the control of the community. Uh, just to put things in context, uh, it is said that uh, currently in Yaraba there's a population of more than 4,000 people, yet there are only 414 houses in the area, which inevitably leads to overcrowding, which itself generates multiple other issues, including negative health outcomes. Yes, so that that's correct. And, uh, you know, back in the 70s when RHD was um, rife through Australia, the government of the days back then, the way they eradicated was they invested more in housing, invested in economic development, invested in access to health care. So, you know, that's one of the biggest factors in Yarraba is overcrowding with, the, with our population at the moment. Can't get my mind around these 400 houses for more than 4,000 people. That's just a, unimaginable. That's correct. And in some households, there are, you know, up to two or three generational families in, in one house. In such conditions, it's quite obvious that health outcomes would just be poor, not only the physical health, but also pretty much all the social determinants would be poor. Yes, that's correct. You know, uh, hence why we have a, you know, really deadly uh, community control health service that, that not only addresses, um, you know, the social determinants of what's going on in community, but also your health care. But definitely um, overcrowding um, can lead to other health issues like mental health and, and other, I guess, health complications as well. Yeah. And our Greeny Yelamuka Health Services and uh, the Arab community have partnered with a private corporation to tackle the prevalence of uh, 
um, RHD, starting from a grassroots level, looking at uh, preventing infections in the first place. So that's correct. I mean, when we look at community control and Aboriginal community control health services, we're more around prevention and early detection. So our partnership with Mugu, uh, one of Australia's leading uh, skincare brands, have come on board, and and you know we, we want to prevent these these um, these uh, school sores. And how do we prevent that? And it's in partnership with Mugu and their skin products, and you know basic stuff like access to uh, soap care products. Yeah. Yeah, this sounds like a, really a groundbreaking and a promising uh, partnership. Are you aware of uh, any similar initiative in uh, any other parts of the country? I'm not too sure where this type of partnership is in Australia. Uh, I think it was early last year we, we trialled the project and it was such a success that Mugu had come on board now to supply us with a year's supply of um, you know, shower soap, hair conditioner, shampoo, skin care products, which is fantastic. We're really uh, happy that this partnership has happened. So they're pro- providing free uh, Mungu products to the whole community? Whole oh, community, that is correct. There's various um, stations where you can access the products, not just at the health clinic, but at other um, organisations and services in Yarrabah. Uh, you just bring your empty bottle along, fill it up and away you go. What, do they have to pay for it or? No, it's, it's all free of charge. And what? this is in partnership with Mugu. And how have the people impressed it? It's been absolutely fantastic. We're always having to supply more empty bottles because people forget to bring their refill bottles, so we've got to keep supplying more empty bottles. But it's been fantastic that, you know, when people run out, it's, it's available there for them to come and refill whenever they need to. It sounds like uh, one aspect is working very well, but then they have to also embrace the sustainability side where they have to hang on to their bottles so that they can come back and uh, refill them. Whenever they run out. And you know what? This is one of the things that Gurney is going to continue to supply to the community because we know that if we do all the preventative stuff, it it will address actually getting to having the sores on your body, which causes the strep, which causes the rheumatic heart disease. This sounds like something that is working very, very well. Have you heard of any other initiative like that? I I haven't heard of anything else where there may be some exciting initiatives like this in other communities. And if there is, we'd we'd be open to know what those are. Uh, We'd also be open to to any company who would come on board, whether it's Johnson & Johnson or whoever it is, that can come on board and support us with other initiatives such as this with the skincare products with Mugu. Yeah. Um, and it, look, it was it come about through our you know our health promotion team and our one of our lead uh, clinicians in there, Renee, and just um, partnering with with uh, these uh, organisations. Yeah, it sounds like a very very powerful and very promising and um, su- successful uh, product. So they provide body milk wash. Uh, hand sanitization and all that, which is uh, mm. pretty good. So it's uh, good for all ages, or is there specific ones for little ones? And uh, yeah, because of the product is a, a skin sensitivity. Um, so there's anybody who has skin problems, it, it shouldn't be a problem for them to use because it's uh, very sensitive towards um, you know any any skin any skin problems. Yeah. Now, Susan, before I let you go, anything else you'd like to add uh, to our conversation today? 
maybe something uh, very important we may have missed? Yeah, we just want you know, to be coming down, fill your Mugu bottle up, but also when we look at uh, wider Australia, how do we now support our, um, our people and community around addressing RHD, whether if it's economic development, investing in economic development, investing in access to community control health service or investing in housing? Thank you. NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook. That was uh, Black Magic by uh, the great uh, Becker Boy. And uh, this brings us to the end of uh, today's uh, program. Bertrand Tungendame, I am Bertrand Tungendame, thanking you for your company this Friday afternoon and also wishing you a beautiful and safe weekend. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu.